So I'm really glad you're here. We're, we're doing kind of a one-off sermon. Normally, we do sermon series, but today we're not going to be doing a sermon series. I'm just going to be talking today about memorials. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your phone app, or your sermon notes, and let's get into this. We're celebrating Memorial Day this weekend. Uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Everybody gets off work. Well, most of you do. You're going to be barbecuing or eating somebody else's barbecue, which is the really good thing to do. Go eat somebody else's hamburgers and hot dogs that they cook. Like show up at Miss Ann's house and be like, hey, where's my hamburger? Because she'll have one sitting there for you. But, you know, you do what it takes to have a good time. You spend time with friends and family just remembering. But a lot of us may not even understand the significance of tomorrow. And I'm going to be honest with you, I I grew up in the United States, but I didn't really know what it was all about. I thought it was just about, it's another day to celebrate our military, which kind of it is, but that's not really what it's all about. It's actually a celebration of those who have fallen, giving their life in service for all of us. It started right after the Civil War, and it was originally called Decoration Day, because that was the day that they would go decorate the graves, so that's why it was called Decoration Day. And it wasn't till many, 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 many moons later that they actually started calling it Memorial Day. And because, you know, the, the South were all really rebellious, we didn't even start calling it Memorial Day until in, in modern history, like when most of us were alive. That's when down here in the South they started calling it Memorial Day. But, but here's the deal. It's a great day to celebrate those who have sacrificed for us. One of our values here at NOLA Church, we have 10 values that we live by, and everything that we do is through one of these values. And one of our values is that we honor up and we honor out. So here's what I want us to do. Why don't we all stand and clap our hands to give honor for all of those who have fallen in service for all of us. Thank you, Jesus, for the soldiers who have given their lives, both men and women, from all over the country, God. Thank you that we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, y'all can be seated. Moyna Michael probably said it best in a poem that she wrote right around the time that they changed it from Decoration Day to Memorial Day. And this is what she wrote. She said, we cherish, too, the poppy red that grows on fields where valor led. It seems to signal to the skies The blood of heroes never dies. Beautiful poem, just commemorating those who have sacrificed so that all of us could be free. And I'm I'm so glad that y'all have chosen this weekend to come on out here. If you're here for your first time, welcome home. We're glad that you're here and we're going to party with you for the next few minutes. And I'm, I'm preaching a sermon simply called Memorials. Thought we'd kind of capture the, the whole essence of what this weekend is all about. And memorials are, are simply, this is our focus. We're going to build memorials at every trial and every victory that we go through in our walk with God. I'm going to give you something today that I promise you, if you'll put it in your pocket and you'll take it away from here, it will change the way that you live for God. It will actually change your relationship with God in a very big way. Because what I want us to do is I want us to remember every place that we've been, everything that we've seen, Everything that we've experienced, every river that we've crossed in our relationship with Jesus, I want us to remember those, and I want us to establish a memorial right there so that we never forget the places that we've been. That sound good to anybody today? Praise God. So there's a question, and those of you that are home folks here today, y'all know that I I put questions out for you. If this is your first time or you've never heard me preach, I'm going to give you some tensions and I'm going to give you some questions that I want you to think about while I'm preaching. And today's question is this, 
What has Jesus already done in and through your life? What has Jesus already done in and through your life? And don't forget this, that everything that's happened up to now is important into your story. There's nothing, there's a song that the worship team sings sometimes called Nothing is Wasted, meaning there's nothing that happens in you or through you that is, that is a waste. Everything has value and God can use every bit of it to change someone else's story. Amen, praise God. So let, let's dig into this, building memorials, what's that all about? Y'all, let's be honest, living in relationship with Jesus can be a battle. Sometimes when you're tired on a Sunday morning, it's a battle just to stay awake while the guy's droning on and on, right? Some of you are struggling with that right now. But let's just pray that God wakes us all up in Jesus' name. We got great, strong, bold coffee right out there, and it will put the kick right in the seat of your pants and wake you up if you need that. But it's not a battle because of Jesus. It's a battle because of our flesh or or the carnal nature. It's, It's the part of us that we control, right? Or actually, if we're, if we're really honest, it's the part that actually controls us. That's what makes living for God sometimes a battle. And, and y'all, let's be honest. Society, the world in which we live, contributes to this battle by minimizing the importance of long-term commitments. The world that we live in says, hey, if you don't like your circumstance, hop up, move over here, change this, move here. And it, 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 it even applies to marriages. Oh, I'm not happy. Boom, I'm out. I'm into a new one already, or I'm, I'm into a new relationship. Y'all, that's not God's plan. And society is contributing to us, and, and here's what I believe. The enemy has used society to tear down the value of long-term commitments because the, the enemy does not want our families to flourish. The enemy wants our families to be divided. The enemy wants us to suffer in silence all alone, standing by ourselves, going through our circumstance by ourselves. And when it comes to church... Churches become a bunch of individuals sitting on a bunch of individual chairs. If you're old school, you were sitting on a bunch of individual pews. But that's why we do small groups here at NOLA Church. That's why next Sunday we're launching our summer small group semester because we want to create opportunities for you to get connected because, y'all, if this is the only place that you see other believers, you're missing out on the true thing that God wants to use to heal you and bring you life. You need to be in relationship with other believers. You need some people putting their arm around you saying, hey, you're going through the circumstance with me. Thank you so much. Or, hey, you look like you're struggling. You need some help today. Let me give you my strength. Somebody knows what I'm talking about today. By the way, this is one of those churches where you can talk back. In fact, I prefer that you talk back to me. That way I don't preach too, too long. Amen? There we go. We we practice good on that. But society is going to contribute to, to this whole situation of dividing us and actually minimizing long-term commitments. And that is not a good thing. That's, it, being able to have the freedom to change is not always a good thing when it comes to commitments and relationships. And society's influence creates a tension in our relationship with God. And here, here's what the tension is. I'm in an open relationship with Jesus versus Jesus, versus Jesus is my everything. Let me say that again. I'm in an open relationship with Jesus. Don't raise your hand on this, but I think some of y'all probably know what an open relationship is. In a marriage, an open relationship is not a good thing. In a dating situation, an open relationship is not a good thing. 
as you're doing life with people, it's not open. And we take that societal crux and we bring it into our relationship with Jesus and say, oh, in society, it's okay for me to hop in and out of relationship. Oh, I only need Jesus when I need him. Things get rough in my life. Oh, that's when I need Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm preaching now. Somebody ought to say amen on that. And that was a good one. I only need Jesus when things get rough in my life. But when things are going perfect, I'm fine. Thank you, Lord. That was good. I'll I'll see you in about six weeks. We even bring that into church. I'm in an open relationship with Jesus. I'll come into the house of God on Sunday and lift my, lift my voice, lift my hands, even say, say hoop and holler a little bit, or maybe even jump or even get a, I should not do that. But all the things that we do on Sunday, and then we step out of the house of God and we live however we want to. And God forbid that the pastor bump me because, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to some place where I can just disappear into the masses. Because we believe that we're in an open relationship with Jesus because the society around us tells us that we're in an open relationship with everyone else around us. Y'all, that tension is not a good thing. And you and I as believers, and if you're not a believer, I want to challenge you today. There's a better way to do life. There's a better way to just surrender to everything that he is and allow his truth and his mercy and his grace to flood every part of you and say, hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was once bound in chains of addiction, but now I'm free forever. I'm no longer what I was, but I'm everything that he says I am. Praise God. So what I want us to do is I want us to build memorials. And building memorials is vital to every one of us who calls ourselves a believer. In fact, Isaiah 51 and 1 says, To remember the hole from which you were dug. Look at your neighbor and say, I was in a hole. (laughs) Y'all are not real excited about that. Look back at him and say, I was in a hole. If you're not in a hole anymore, thank God that you are no longer where you were. Praise God. But let's answer this question. If we're supposed to build memorials, what actually establishes what's memorial worthy, so to speak? What memories do we hold on to? Do we hang on to every one of them? Do we hang on to even those ones that hurt us and like put us in the fetal position at night while we're trying to sleep? Do we hold on to all those? Well, let's go to the word of God. A great place to answer life questions is the word of God, right? Wikipedia is not a good source, but the word of God is forever settled. It's true forever and ever because it existed long before he ever said, let there be. His word was already established. His word was with him and the word was him. Amen. So let's go to the word of God. We're going to be looking out of several verses out of Joshua chapter four. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there while you're turning. Everybody, let's give Periscope a hand real quick. Thank you, Periscope, for joining us. What up? Every week we have several people, like four. <laughs> no, there's more than that. There's, there's a bunch of people that join us every week on Periscope. Here's the deal. Some of y'all in this room are on Periscope right now. I'm up here. You don't have to look at your phone to enjoy Jesus. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Jesus is here. He's not on your phone. But we have people all over the world that are joining us on Periscope. A bunch of people are watching us on the podcast, and they'll watch us throughout the week. So, So glad you're here. Welcome to NOLA Church. You should move to New Orleans. It's awesome. It's not even hot at all. So Joshua chapter 4, starting with verse 1, says this. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. And I want you to pause right here. They can leave the scripture on the screen. But I want to give you some context of what we're talking about. 
If you're not aware of the story of the children of Israel leaving Egypt, let me give you just the the thumbnail version of it. God's people were in prison in slavery for 430 years in the nation of Egypt. They went there because one of them had, had been appointed to a place of ruler, and when he died off, all the rulers that came after him realized these people are, are out populating us. We need to put them in slavery. Y'all, by the way, sin will always enslave when you, when you start reaching your potential in God. When you start reaching out of the place God wants you to be, sin's going to put you in a prison. He's going to wrap you up in addiction. He's going to wrap you up in all these things that distract you, but that's not what God has planned for you. So 430 years later, they actually get to escape a man named Moses. Everybody know who Moses is, right? Everybody knows Moses. God anoints Moses, and Moses comes, and he takes the children of Israel, and he leads them out of prison and out of slavery. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. They wandered around for 40 years. And the number 40, I'm not going to get all mystical on you, but numbers and words in the Bible actually mean things. The number 40 in the Bible, anytime you see the number 40 highlighted in the Bible, it's representing a time of preparation for something great. Some examples of this, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they went into the promised land. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights while Noah and his family were on the ark. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting and praying before he began his earthly ministry. If you, if you carry a baby to full term, guys, we don't know nothing about this. We just carry our wives to full term, amen? But the ladies in our life carry babies to full term. If it goes full term, it's actually 40 weeks. And for so many of us, we want God to give us premature miracles, Because we want to get out of the wilderness. We want to get out of the time of preparation because it's uncomfortable. And if if you study the story that we see in the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus as they're leaving Egypt, as they're leaving the world, and they're going into the place that God designed for them, there was a lot of things that they went through that were not real comfortable. Because there was a faithless generation. There were actually four generations represented in this 40 years. And in these faithless generations, all the faithless ones had to die off so that they could go in and possess the land that God had for them. Most scholars will agree that as they left Egypt, there was somewhere between two and six million people walking through the desert. Y'all, that's, that's huge. There was a lot of people that left, but there were less people that went into the kingdom that God had promised them. Because in the process, God is going to take things away from you that give you comfort. When you're in the wilderness experience, God is going to say, that's going to keep you from everything I've designed for you. Let me have that because that's not healthy for you. I'm all up in somebody's lollipop patch right now. And it's not that God doesn't love you. It's because he loves you so much. He knows that that's going to be, make what you're going through an even greater battle. So why don't you let me rescue you from this right now in this time of preparation? Because I want you to be victorious when you step into the place that I've designed for you. Don't ask God to take you out of the wilderness experience. Ask him to take you through it. Give me the strength. Give me the peace. Give me the grace to survive as I'm trudging through this place that I don't understand. I'm asking questions, God. I don't understand everything. That thing gave me comfort and now it's gone. The whole point is I want you to find comfort in me. 
I want you to find comfort in my everlasting arms, not in your own strength. Don't lean to your own understanding, but trust me and acknowledge me in all your ways. And then I will direct your paths. Amen. So this is the context. They are now getting ready to leave the wilderness and go into Canaan land, which is the land that God had promised to Abraham roughly a thousand years before. God gave a promise. Abraham died. Isaac died. Jacob died. Moses died. You're starting to see a pattern here. God gives us a promise. My Lord, they're having a good time in Nola Kids today. Somebody give them cookies with Benadryl in it. But anyway, I'm kidding. Don't really do that. Not. I'm, I'm only kidding a little bit. But anyway, sometimes God is going to give you a promise. We want it right now because we live in a microwave society, right? Like put it in, bang, and it's done. If, if you want to really see how well that works out, go on YouTube today, type in Brian Regan Pop-Tarts. Great little anecdote about the hilarity of our microwave generation that the toaster oven is not fast enough for my Pop-Tart. I got to put it into the microwave for literally two seconds. How do you even do that? Because if you put it in the microwave for 40 seconds, who knows what's going to happen? It may like turn into a dragon and come out and bite your face off. But, but we like things instantaneously. And like, God, you gave me a promise. Give it to me now. I want it now. But notice what happened to God's people. In Genesis chapter 12, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And through you, every nation of the world will come to know me. That's in Genesis 12. We're now in Joshua chapter 4. That's a long flipping time, y'all. A lot of things happened. A lot of things died off. A lot of new things were birthed. A lot of experiences. Sometimes you're going to go through things before you walk into your promise. Don't give up in the process. Just simply hang on and say, God, give me the strength to get through this. Praise God. So they're crossing over the Jordan into the land of promise. And as they cross, this is the commandment from God. I want you to choose 12 men from each tribe. Now tell them, take 12 stones... From the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of Jordan. Take 12 stones from the very place that the priests are standing in the middle of Jordan. Hang on to that because we're going to come back to that in just a few minutes. And I want you to carry them out and pile them up at the place where you camp tonight. I want you to go back to the place in the middle of the Jordan. The last thing that you have to cross before you possess the land I've given you. The last battle that you have to go through in the wilderness, so to speak. You can't possess the land until you cross the Jordan. I want you to go right back to that place. And I want you to take 12 stones. And I want you to carry them with you. Notice this, y'all. The priests are standing in the middle of the river Jordan. It's the very center of the only thing that's stopping them. When God takes you out of the wilderness experience and he brings you through and he starts to give you the purpose and starts to give you the promise that you need in your life, he doesn't want you to forget all of those experiences that you went through in the time of preparation. He doesn't even want you to forget the miracle that happened when he tells the high priest, step into the river Jordan. They step out and the water walls up on this side and completely drains out on this side. Read it. It's right there in the Bible. It's exactly what happened. They're standing there on dry ground till till somewhere between two and six million people cross the river. 
That's a lot of people. That didn't just happen instantaneous. That took some time. They're standing there with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulder. They're just standing there. Just, just standing there like, yep, they're walking. I'm standing here. God made me a promise. God made me a promise. God, God told me that if I'll stand here, he's going to do something, but I'm not seeing it. Well, I'll give up. I'm going to put the ark down and walk away. Is that what God told them to do? No, he wanted them to hold it. He wanted them to hang on. The ark of the covenant, y'all, represents the glory, the Shekinah glory of God, which means the weight of everything that he is. Sometimes when you're crossing out of something into something new, God just says simply stand there and hold my glory. You can't hold my glory if you're distracted by everything else in life. But you've got to hang on to it. And when you've crossed through, I want you to take 12 things with you. I want you to take some stones. Don't take some stones from the other side. Don't take stones from your past life. Take stones from the final victory that I give you. Y'all tracking with me? Is this this too much history? Am I boring you? Y'all good? Look at your neighbor and say, this is good stuff. Good as mashed potatoes and gravy. (laughs) Somebody said, hold up. Okay, it's as good as gravy with gravy. If you're like me, you like to have a side of gravy to dip your gravy in because you can never get too much gravy, amen? You can tell by my waistline that's probably a true story. Here's what God is challenging, y'all. This is the answer to the next blank. Build your memorials from the stuff you walked over to receive your victory. Build your memorials from the stuff that God let you walk over to receive your victory. Y'all, another way to put this is this. When Jesus gives you a victory, pick up a souvenir and carry it with you. Man, that Jesus just did that in my life. Well, I forget about it. No, pick up a souvenir to remind you. And notice what he said. Carry it on your shoulders. It's like in, in the 80s, we had these things called ghetto blasters. Anybody know what that is? It's like a giant radio that's bigger than your whole body, and you carry it on your shoulder. I remember doing this. The radio was literally taller than I was. And I was like... This is cool. But when you're carrying a stone on your shoulder, it's not something that's hidden, right? You can't hide a stone you're carrying on your shoulder. The world sees the stone on your shoulder. Some of y'all are starting to track with me on this. You don't hide the victories that Jesus gave you. You don't carry them like behind your back. You don't carry them in a satchel. You put them up on your shoulder and say, look what Jesus did for me. Look what Jesus did in my life. Y'all, I used to be an alcoholic. I'm not anymore. How cool is this? See my stone of freedom? I don't have to go into meetings and say, I am an alcoholic because I'm not. I haven't had a drink for 22 years. I'm free. I don't have to self-identify as anything, but I self-identify as a child of Jesus Christ because I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen? I think we ought to give him a hand praise. I'm feeling a little old school up in this place. Praise God. Build your memorials from the stuff you walked over to receive the victory that Jesus has for you. Drop down to verse 4 in Joshua 4. So Joshua called the 12 men and he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them this, go back to the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you pick up one of the stones and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Notice this, y'all. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Everybody say memorial. In the, in the future, your children are going to ask you, what do these stones mean? What do these stones mean? Because kids are curious, right? They're going to ask you, what does that even mean? 
Then you can tell them, they remind us that the river Jordan stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. They remind us. These memorials are here on purpose because they remind us of certain things. And notice the last phrase. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. These stones will stand as a memorial among God's people forever. It's not temporary. It's not just a a today thing. It's a forever thing. Amen? Let me, let me kind of give you some historical context here real quick so you can understand the severity of this. Joshua has the people obey God. They go right back into the middle of the Jordan River. Now remember, it's built up here. It's not wet yet. And that was a rhyme there. Anyway, they go stand in the middle and they build up their memorial and they leave it there. But Joshua, if you continue reading in verse 9, he grabs 12 more stones and goes to the nearest bank of Jordan, which is the Canaan side of Jordan, and builds another memorial. And the Word of God says that they still remain. These lasted until the time of Solomon's kingship, which is a long time. When Solomon was king, the history and the Word of God tells us that Solomon goes and actually erects two columns. One on this side of Jordan, one on this side of Jordan to continue to remind the people. Those columns don't still stand today, but if you go to the Jordan River, you can see the base of the columns because they have been preserved for all these years. Even though time and devastation has happened, the base of these columns still exists. Y'all, those memorials of what happened back in the Word of God still exist today. You don't let your memorials go. You don't let go of the victories God has given you. Amen? So why is this so important? Because there's going to come a generation after you that's going to wonder what those mean. And what do you tell them? That's what Jesus did for me yesterday. Anybody ever been healed by the power of Jesus Christ? Praise God. You build a memorial to that healing. Write it down. Take a picture of it. Put it on your refrigerator. And when somebody comes over to your house for some gooey goodness, you tell them, look what Jesus did for me. But that'll get on their nerves. It's never going to get on someone's nerves to find out what Jesus did for you. Because you need to tell the world, this is who my God is. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just telling you how awesome Jesus Christ is. Amen? Build that memorial for your kids. In fact, let me, let, me give you, let me give you two reasons why we build memorials. Number one, to share our testimony with someone else. Someone's going to come and they're going to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, to share your testimony. Number two, they remind us of what Jesus has already done. They're going to remind me of what I've been through. Let me take just a few minutes because I'm almost done here. Let me just take a couple seconds just to unpack something for you. Why was it important to place the memorial in the center of the Jordan River? Why was it important to place it on the Canaan side of the Jordan River? Because here's the deal. To possess the promise, you're not done fighting. To possess what God has given you, it's not easy. Religion has convinced people. In fact, I'm going to say this really broad. Christianity has convinced people and late night religious television has convinced people that living for God is easy. Believe in Jesus and all of a sudden your bank account gets full and if it's not, you must not believe. Come on, y'all, that's not even biblical. Everything that we see in the Word of God is that when you choose Jesus, I should totally not be doing this right now because some of you are trying to make decisions about Jesus, but I'm just going to be real. When you choose Jesus, get ready for a fight. 
I'm going to peel back the, the falsehood. I'm going to peel back the layers of religion so you can see it. You're going to be in for the fight of your life. But the beautiful thing is when you lean into the everlasting arms, you're not the one doing the fighting. Jesus Christ has already won the victory. Praise God. Jesus, he looks at his disciples and he says, take heart for I have already overcome. And the Bible says that we are more than overcomers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Stop trying to do the fight yourself. Let him be your victory. Amen. But when you're in the promised land, you're going to have to face some things. You're going to have to face your Jerichos. You're going to have to face your AIs. You're going to have to battle the Philistines. You're going to have to battle all of these things that are in the land of promise. You're going to have to fight them. It's not going to just go easy beasy. And when you're in a fight, sometimes you want to turn and walk away, right? If you tell me you don't, you're not a human being. We'll see you when we get elevated all the way up to heaven because you're angelic and we'll see you. Peace out. But if you're like the rest of us, sometimes in a fight you get tired. Sometimes in a fight you get burdened. Sometimes you hurt. And it's in these moments or you get discouraged or you feel abandoned. You feel like you're all alone. It's in these moments that you're going to be tempted to turn and walk away. But when you turn and walk away, what's going to be looking at you? Your memorial is going to be looking at you. Because when you go to cross back into the land of Egypt, you're going to have to walk right past that memorial that you built to remind yourself what Jesus has already done. When you walk out of the land of promise because it's hurting, when you walk out of the land of promise because you're, you're going through a struggle, when you walk out of that, you're going to have to walk past every victory that God has already done in your life and say, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. Yeah, that happened, but it doesn't matter. Let me challenge you. Build some memorials. Has God done something in anybody's life? Has God ever changed something in your circumstance? Build a memorial so when the devil says, oh, you don't need this, say, nope, there's the memorial. Just in case you didn't know, there's the memorial of what my God has already done. Y'all, don't tear down your memorials. Remember the victory because those victories build your faith. Amen? Remember those victories. So how do we preserve the memorials? There's four ways that are actually the best way for us to preserve the memorials in our life. And the best way to do this is to literally follow God's plan of salvation. And here's his. Number one, follow Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. There's a whole lot of writing, so I'm asking them to leave these on the screen for all four. If you miss them, come see me after church, and I'm happy to give you the answers to all the blanks. Number one, follow Jesus. Here's what this means. Leave my past behind and follow him into my promise. Leave my past behind and follow Jesus into my promise. Number two, find freedom. Everybody say, find freedom. My past is a prison, but my memorials are stepping stones. Everything that happened to you yesterday, you feel like you're all locked up. But when you build a memorial, it's like God gives you a ladder out of the circumstance. Amen? You can use those memorials to step out of of, of the trial and out of the circumstance. Number three, everybody say, discover purpose. Jesus, y'all getting weak on that. Everybody say discover purpose. Jesus will use every life experience as an opportunity for me to fulfill my purpose. Every opportunity, everything that happens in my life, Jesus is going to use it as a stepping stone for me to accomplish what he's called me to accomplish. Amen? Number four, make a difference. Everybody say make a difference. My memorials are testimonies for me to make a difference in someone else's life. Y'all, this is God's plan of salvation. 
I thought I had to repent and say three things and spin around and hop on one foot. No, that's not God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation is follow Jesus, find freedom, discover purpose, and then go make a difference. No, I thought I, thought I got saved to go warm a, a chair in a non-denominational church on Sunday morning in a building that's half finished and flipping hot. No, that's not God's purpose for your life. That's God's purpose for your worship. Actually, just to introduce you to worship, but his purpose is for you to leave this place, leave this community, step out into a dark and hurting world and bring salvation to every person that you know. Amen. He saved you so that you can save others. Amen. All right. So y'all, let's bring this to a close. Look at one last verse of scripture, Revelation chapter 12. We're going to go down to verse 10 and kind of halfway through verse 10, we're going to look at the first part of verse 11. It says this. Now, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, that literally means the power of his salvation, have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Man, that's awesome. The accuser of all of us, the one who's standing before God right now. By the way, anyone says the devil made me do it. No, he died. He's in the presence of God right now telling lies about you. He doesn't even know your name. But he's getting reports on his demonic Android tablet. He wouldn't use an apple. But I'm just saying. Because God's people are the apple of his eye. But see, I'm, I'm digressing right now. I'm sorry. If you, if you use an Android, there's hope for you, right, John? There, there, there's hope for you. God can save you. Come on, somebody. Put your hands up and receive. Anyway. He's standing in front of God's people getting reports from all his little minions around the world. And they're saying, yeah, they they did this. They're thinking this. They don't really love Jesus. They say they love Jesus, but they don't. And so the devil goes in front of God's throne and he says, you know those people? You know your servant Job? If you'll let me take everything from me, he'll curse you to your face. God says, giddy up. Think about this. God trusts you so much with the reality of his salvation that he's willing to allow the devil to come up against you and try to take you away because God knows your future and the devil doesn't. That's how much God trusts you. God trusts you that much. So the accuser of the brethren is standing in front of the throne of God right now. And this, is, this scripture is, is literally coming out of the prophecy of what the apostle John saw when God took him up to heaven so he could write it down so we would know what to look forward to. And John sees this big, giant mass of people. He's like, Lord, whip, whip, whip. the streets of gold are cool and the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. Man, that's awesome. And that crystal river that's just, oh, Dang, Lord, because in my mind, that's how the apostles talk. I'm Southern. They were from Southern Galilee, so just I assume they talk like that too. Dang, Lord, that's awesome. But I got to ask you a question about this, Lord. What's that big mass of people? Who are all those people? That's like a literally a sea of people. Who are these folks? And the scripture we're reading right now is the response to this question. And this is the answer. These are the ones who overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 
These are not just some rabble-rousing crew of people. These are the people who went through a trial. These are the people who went through a wilderness experience. These are the people that suffered. These are the people that faced attacks. But now they're standing in front of the Lamb of God. They're standing in front of the throne. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Y'all, you want to know what God's plan is for you? For you to stand before His throne, having overcome by everything that He is and everything that He promised. Y'all, does that sound good to anybody today? Another one of our values is that we don't forget. That's another one of our values. We don't forget. We're not going to forget the place that we were. We're not going to forget the, all the things in our life that God took us through. We're not going to forget yesterday. We're, we're going to build a memorial to everything in our life, everything in our circumstance. When God rescues us out of something, we're just going to establish a memorial and say, I'm not going to forget that because there's going to come a day that I'm going to turn around and I need to see that block of stone standing there waiting on. Amen? Somebody with me today. Y'all, you got to understand this. Jesus has already given you the victory. He's already given you the victory because the accuser, your accuser, has no power in your life. But we got to remind ourselves that we've already crossed the River Jordan. We have to remind ourselves that we've already been through things. we got to remind ourselves that we've already received the victory. Why don't, why don't we do this? Close your eyes right now and just start reminding yourself of the things that God has done in your life. Amen? Has God done anything for you? Has God rescued you from anything? Just take a couple seconds right here at the close of this sermon and just say, God, I believe that you're doing something in my life because I've already seen what you've done. And right now I'm establishing a memorial to you. Here's what we remind ourselves of. That we overcame by His grace. We overcame by His grace. The work has already been completed on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross completed the work, y'all. There's nothing else for any of us to do except simply receive that free gift of grace and say, you completed it. You've already established the greatest memorial. That empty cross and that empty tomb, it's standing there letting me know that it was done in Jesus' name. Amen? But the Bible also says that we overcome by the word of our testimony. We preserve our memorials by sharing our story with somebody else. If God's done something for you, you got to tell somebody. When God gives you victory, you can't be afraid to say, I'm a believer, and this is the reason I am a believer. Amen? Let me give you a next step. You can write this down so you don't forget what today is all about. Next step. Make, a, make memorials of every victory in your relationship with Jesus and share your story everywhere. Make memorials of every victory in your relationship with Jesus and make memorials everywhere. Praise God. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close out today's service just with some prayer and a little bit of worship. But before we do that, right where you're sitting, I want everyone to, to you don't have to bow your heads, but I ask you to close your eyes, put everything down that's a distraction, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Because I believe some people have made some decisions today and are making a decision to leave some memorials in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all with me today? Father, here's my prayer today. I'm praying for everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that you would 
begin to breathe into their hearts and into their lives. Wash away every sin. Wash away every addiction. Wash away every chain from a bad relationship, Lord. Cleanse us of everything in our past, Lord. And I'm praying right now in the name that is above every name that the victory of your salvation would fall in this place today. Why don't we all stand and clap our hands in victory? Come on, let's just take a few minutes. God, we love you, God. We